I want to read a verse and I want to pray. I am so expectant for this morning. It's probably my favourite, one of my favourite topics you could get me to preach on, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost Sunday. If you don't know what that is, that's completely okay. We're going to talk about it. But I do know this, today's not just about hearing a message. For you and I, it's about encountering a person. The Holy Spirit isn't a concept. The Holy Spirit isn't up in heaven in a distant place. The Holy Spirit isn't an it, a distant, no, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is real. He lives within us. The Bible tells us when we give our life to Christ, He is here today and He wants to meet with you and He wants to meet with me in a more powerful way, I believe, than we've experienced before. So let me read this verse and let's pray. John 15, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking on the, the night before his, his death. And He says this, But when the Helper comes, everyone say the Helper. It has a capital H in my Bible. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. What does this mean? It means the Holy Spirit is a gift that Jesus sent to us on that day of Pentecost, that you and I can have a living, powerful, real, authentic relationship with the greatest power in this earth, which is the Holy Spirit. Would you just join me closing your eyes for a moment? Precious Holy Spirit, here this morning, I just ask that you would come as we talk about You, as we read about You in the, the Bible, as we hear about You, I'm asking that every person in this room, myself included, that we wouldn't just hear about You, but we would encounter You here this morning in a powerful way. We love You, Holy Spirit. We honour You. We wanna know You more and we welcome You here today. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Well, thank you, Dad. You can grab your seat. Why don't you give a uh, high five to the person next to you? Say, I'm glad to be sitting next to you. You're looking good today. Well, I'm wondering, uh, like, this is frustrating for me. I don't know if you, you can relate to this when it's your birthday, it's Christmas, it's an anniversary, and you get a gift card. Does anyone have like those gift card piles in your house of like five to ten, where half of them are probably expired? Like, is there anything more frustrating when you don't access a gift card, and you try to use it, and they say it's expired, and you're trying to be all Christian and not swear, and you're trying not to punch them in the shin or whatever, you know, like, I don't know about you, that's frustrating. Uh, and it's one of the most frustrating things in the world, because we did not access the gift that was given. I don't know about you, I get guilt because someone paid that. And then I'm just like, man, I wanted to buy something with that money. Uh, but here's a little tip. Because of COVID, I have found you can use that as a good excuse because I couldn't go shopping for three years. So anyway, that helped me recently. But I thought, I want you to imagine a scenario with me uh, that's similar to this, but maybe at a deeper level. I want you to imagine a father who was very wealthy and he had one son. And for whatever reason, this father's health began to diminish. He knew he was about to pass away and he left an, a um, gift to his son. He left a inheritance of, let's just say, $10 million that was to his son. And as he passed away, the son heard of this inheritance and there was a letter from his dad that had very strict instructions of how he could access 
this money. Very clear. It took a bit of work, these instructions. And so that, that son, he's thankful for it. It is now legally his. But how it's set up, he can't access it unless he does what his father instructed him to do. You know, the first year he was hanging out with his friends. He got a bit lazy. He, he got his Xbox, he's playing Call of Duty. He's got his Netflix account and he's going through night, whatever, night action or whatever. And he gets a little bit busy. Then he starts just relaxing and going on holidays and he's not doing the work his dad said to. He starts over the years, he starts chasing easy jobs because he needs money, but he's lazy. He, he hasn't put the time and energy needed. And I want you to picture this. Can you imagine this scenario? I know it's just made up, but this son goes his whole life living quite a poor life. He's struggling. He's going from job to job. He's just, you know, he's stuck in his complacent ways. He's distracted by the things of this world. But maybe years went by at a time he didn't even realise the gift that was available to him. I want you to just think about that, that legally, it was his the entire time. He had access to it, but through his own decisions, his own priorities and his actions, he never accessed the gift. The reality of his life did not align with what he had access to the whole time. And I believe that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it can be similar. We, we come at Christmas and we learn about the gift that Jesus Christ was to you and I, that for He so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. But when it comes to Pentecost, we're talking about another gift that as I read earlier, and we'll read again, Jesus sent to us. Let's go to John 14, 26 verse 27 together. This is Jesus speaking again, just earlier in the conversation. But when the Father sends the Advocate, now that word Pastor John spoke about last week, I won't go into it now, but it is an amazing word about who the Holy Spirit is in our life. Uh, when He sends the Advocate or the Helper as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. I want everyone to say again, gift. Let's start there that the Holy Spirit is a gift given to you and I. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We have been given a helper. We have been given an advocate who fights for us. We have been given a comforter who comforts us in our times of need. We have been given a counsellor who has the mind of Christ, who knows the will of God and can guide and discern our life. Uh, we have been given an intercessor in the Holy Spirit who prays for you and I and, and prays the perfect will of God. We have been given a guide and a teacher. You know, who hates making decisions here? I know, I know my wife does, right? And I help her, but the Holy Spirit can help us make decisions. We have a guide. And I do wonder this, when you and I get to heaven one day, will we pinch ourselves just like this son might have and maybe regret not fully accessing the power of what was given to us in the person of of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I wanna talk about today. Can you imagine that regret that we didn't fully access a relationship, fellowship, friendship, comfort, strength, what you name it, that we could have had because of the Holy Spirit within us. We may see the missed opportunity, as I said, of friendship, of fellowship, of communion with the Holy Spirit. 
We are not those people, right? We're gonna be a people who go hunger, hungry and are hunger after the Holy Spirit, who, who chase Him, who want to know Him, who walk side by side with Him, in step with Him. And I believe for me and for us, this is the adventure of a lifetime, getting to know the Holy Spirit and following Jesus Christ. And I I just wanted to encourage us, there is so much more of the Holy Spirit to discover and to experience in your life and my life than we currently know. He is infinite. He is the highest power in all the earth. There is no power greater than the Holy Spirit. There's no demon, no angel, no man, woman or child. There's no government. There's nothing, no sickness, nothing more powerful than the Holy Spirit and He lives within us. The Bible says, this, like, this blows my mind, that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells and lives within us. Come on, who wants to access that kind of power, that kind of help, that kind of strength and courage? And that's what we're gonna lean into today. And, I'm, and I just wanna show, I'm speaking to myself here today. When none of us have arrived here, we can't be perfect at this, but my desire is today is you fall more in love with Him. And we leave this place, each of us, with a deeper hunger to know the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And this is Paul's closing words to the church uh, there. And he says this thing, I love it. He says, may the grace of the Lord, this was his departing um, uh, word, sorry, to the church. May the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I think this gives us a little bit of a key here. We are following God. He's he's the Trinity. He is three in one and one in three. But there's something so unique and special about the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying here, that his number one desire, the person of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life is actually fellowship. Jesus called him the helper. He wants to help you. He's on your side. He's in your corner. He wants to know you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And his greatest desire is actually fellowship. Friendship is another word for fellowship. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to be the one you turn to when you're crying over that situation. He wants to be the one you turn to when you're stressed and anxious about something at work. He wants to be the one you turn to when you're sick and you need healing in your body. He wants to be the one you turn to when you're struggling in your prayer life and you have questions about God and you've lost your fire to read the Bible. He wants to help you in every area of your life and my life, but we need to invite Him into those places. We need to walk in friendship with the precious Holy Spirit. And I believe it's the greatest gift we can know in this life. Paul said, like you look across all throughout the Bible, David, Paul, there's such a common theme that you can have all the wealth in the world, you can have all anything that the world has to offer, but it does not compare to the presence of God and the precious Holy Spirit. I wanna ask us here today a a confronting question that, as I said, I'm asking myself, but what is the number one thing distracting you and I from the time with the Holy Spirit right now? 
And that's what we're gonna unpack a bit. But I want us to, we're gonna go through a passage of Scripture. I brought my biggest Bible ever that I just realised is very hard um, with one hand. But why don't we all turn to John chapter four. Uh, I'm gonna be reading from verse seven. And we're, we're gonna look at the, the life of a woman from Samaria. And I love this passage of Scripture because Jesus meets this woman in the most unlikely of places. And we'll, we'll walk through it, but just to give you a little bit of context, number one, in the time when Jesus was alive, men didn't talk to women. That was actually quite disrespectful or just not part of the culture. But even more than that, to have a Jew speaking to a Samaritan, a Samaritan was a group of people who were not part of the Jewish culture, made this even worse. And it was like when people saw Jesus speaking to this woman, their jaws dropped. They could not believe that a Jewish man or Jesus would be talking to this woman who in that, in that day of age, which is awful, was just so low in people's eyes. But I love the love of Jesus for her. And we're gonna read from verse Seven, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. So they're meeting at a well. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Even she was like, what are you doing, Jesus? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if only you knew the gift of God and who is saying that this to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love that. Isn't that powerful? And I believe it's the same here today. If only you and I knew the gift of what Jesus wants to give to us here today. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Uh, And back then, remember, we don't have taps and showers, right? This is how you had to get water, by walking to a well, getting water out of the well. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, I believe he's talking about the water of the Holy Spirit. Whoever drinks from the Holy Spirit will never be thirsty again. We're gonna circle back to that, but that is powerful. But whoever drinks of the water, oh, sorry, I will give him, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. If I can grab uh, this, my mum's helped me. I got, I got a classic prop, Dan Freker style. Thank you, mum. So this woman, uh, she, she's going to the well for a drink of water, which obviously indicates she is thirsty. And when it comes to water, obviously we get triggered by a sense of thirst and we go to, the, to a source of water to drink it. But the, the conversation actually continues with Jesus. And Jesus prophetically senses that this woman is hurting. It's not that she's just thirsty for physical water, but there is an ache in her soul and she is thirsting for real life. She's thirsting for real love. And Jesus begins to ask her some questions and what it comes out is this woman had had over seven husbands, which once again in that time, if you had adultery, stoning, was the, that was what you would get as a man or a woman. You would be stoned to death for having um, adultery. This woman had had seven husbands, the Bible says. 
And this represents that there was a brokenness in this woman. There was a need for love. There was a sense of rejection. And she would bring her jug and she'd go to a man hoping that this was the one who would love her and treat her with honour and, and respect. And then, you know, she would be thirsty again. So she'd go to man number two. Maybe this will be the one. He, he says all the right things. He bought me the flowers. But unfortunately, she drinks of that water. She's thirsty again. She goes from three to four to five to six. And then Jesus finds her and she's trying to find water, but He discerns there's something deeper happening here. Do you know in our life, we all have a jar of water. We all have something that you and I turn to when you and I need strength, when you and I need comfort. Some of them are sinful, some of them are not. For some of us, it might be pornography. It's just a way that I can deal with the pressure in my life. It might be alcohol. It's just the way I deal with my pressure. It might be I turn on Netflix and I just numb out my emotions through watching five hours of Netflix. Oh, some people want to throw something at me right now. It might be sport. It might be watching your sporting team. Uh, it might be, there's so many things it can be, but we, we can spend a lifetime chasing the things of this world. And Jesus is saying to this woman, out of absolute love and grace, if you keep turning to those things, you're just going to be thirsty again. It doesn't fill you. The life you're looking for, the comfort, the love, the peace, you will not find it in those places. I'm wondering for you and I here today, I, I wanna know in my life, what are those things that I turn to? What are the things of the world that I try to find that security in? I know COVID, even though we don't like thinking about it, for us it revealed how unstable we thought things that brought us stability, whether that's financially or well-being and health or whatever it is, but it actually showed us that maybe the things we thought were completely stable aren't so stable. He meets, she meets here with Jesus. And I love this, let's read the end of this story after that conversation, John 4, 28 to 29. She basically accepts Jesus. She, she encounters the Holy Spirit. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And I absolutely love this because she had spent a lifetime trying to find this love and this life that like you and I have, like our friends do. And she encounters Jesus. And I don't know if you picked it up there, but what does the Bible says? She actually left this water jar behind. She did not need it anymore because she had found true living water. She had found Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And she realised, I will never thirst again because of this gift that I've been given by Jesus Christ. So here today, I, I know for you and I that we can spend a lifetime searching for peace, for joy, for love, for hope, for comfort in all the other places, all the things the world has to offer. Basically anything that is outside of God. But there is only one place you and I can find true peace, joy, hope and life. And that is in the presence of God and the life of the Holy Spirit. So here today, what is your water jar? What is God asking you to leave behind here today? And say, I've been looking in the wrong place. What is that, as I asked earlier, what is the number one thing distracting you from time with the Holy Spirit? 
Maybe that's your water jar. Maybe, as I said earlier, it's not even a bad thing in and of itself, but it's, it's taking so much time in my life. Instead of praying at night, I'm spending three hours doing X, Y, and Z. What are those things? So what are we gonna talk about here today? I wanna talk about this concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit ever leave us? The answer is no. When we give our life to Jesus, which by the way, if you, if you haven't done that yet, you're not in a relationship with God, I can't wait. I'm gonna give you an opportunity a bit later on in the service. But does the Holy Spirit leave us? Like what, what are we talking about here? The answer is actually no. When we give our life to Christ, the Bible says He makes our, His home in our heart and He lives within us. But I have, and then there's a second moment where we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost where they started speaking in, in tongues unknown to them. The Bible says that flames of fire came into that room and a roar of a rushing wind and they started praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, which I know is a bit weird if you're not used to that. But still, even after we are baptized, can He depart from us? No. Well, what are we talking about here? I don't know about you, when your fuel light turns on, what do you do? And I've learned there's two kinds of people in this world, right? And they genuinely, genuinely marry each other. There's one person who instantly gets anxious and goes, we gotta go straight to the fuel station. Oh my, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, give me a wave, who's that person? Straight to the nearest fuel station. Yeah, and then there's this second crazy kind of group, like me, and I'm just like, I've taken this as a challenge. How far can I push it this time without running out of petrol? And <laughs> I don't, who's that kind of person? Anyone relate to me? I have an old car. I can't wait till I get a new car where it tells me the numbers. I'm like, I bet you I can get to zero. <laughs> bet you I can go past zero. Uh, but what are we talking about there? Like our car needs to be filled up and it's not a one-stop shot where you fill it up and she's good. We have to regularly come back and fill up our fuel tank to ride. And you know, this is what I've discovered about the Holy Spirit. It says this in Ephesians 5, chapter 18. Let's look at this together. It, the Bible says, Do not be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is talking here to Christians. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers right now. And what I'm taking from this passage, if we can be full of the Holy Spirit, we can also be empty of the Holy Spirit. Does that mean He's left us? No. Does that mean we're in tune to His voice and can hear Him? Maybe not. When I find in my life, when I am full of the Holy Spirit, everything in my life just flows so much better. I'm in communion with Him. I, I get wisdom from Him. I can, when I open my Bible, I can hear His voice. When I go to pray, I'm, I want to. I'm not just forcing myself to. I, when I come to church, it's a joy. When I, you know, go to work and face challenging things, when I'm full of the Holy Spirit, even though I'm still a bit stressed, I just feel a peace through it. But then I have other seasons of my life where I feel a bit empty. You know, that fuel light's going on. I'm going, Dan, you're not full right now. And I found for me, that's when I start to fight with my wife and I get all grumpy and I, and you know, things just go wrong and I'm, and I'm up all night stressing and anxious and I'm watching Netflix for two or whatever it is. I believe this, you and I can be full of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe we can let ourselves be emptied of the Holy Spirit. 
And we need to come and learn, how can I be in a place where I get filled with Him, filled in the Holy Spirit regularly? And I love this. The Bible says, when it says, do not be drunk with wine. What are we talking about here? Is it just about alcohol? I don't believe so, even though that's good wisdom. Don't get drunk. Okay, thank you. It'll ruin our life. But secondly, what does wine represent? Well, the Holy Spirit is actually spiritual wine, spiritual oil. But I believe that when the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, it's saying, don't, don't try to fill your soul with the things of this world. Instead, everyone say instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's there that we find, it's the number one in my life. It's the number one determiner of my peace levels. It's the number one determiner of my joy levels. It's the number one determiner of my hope for the future. It's how full I am with the Holy Spirit. And that's what I really wanna lean in today as I finish is it is our responsibility to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is there, He's within us, He is available. He is desperately wanting us to, to spend time with Him, but it actually, it's not His responsibility. Pentecost was His responsibility and He held it up for us, but now it's our responsibility. Are we gonna be people who spend time with Him and be filled with Him? And our fellowship with Him will follow us being filled with Him daily. If we wanna walk in step with Him, if we wanna have a life filled with His power and His presence in our life, I've discovered the only way is if daily I come to a place of being filled with the Holy Spirit in prayer. And that's what I wanna talk about as I close. What are the three things we can do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Will that be helpful? We're going okay today. And then we're gonna pray for people. But number one, I have just wrote down, it's not a um, list in itself, there's other ways, but three big things. Number one is time. The goal is fellowship and intimacy. And if you're married or you're dating, you will know this is important. Who knows the, the five love languages? Has anyone heard of that? How, you know, we will all give and receive love certain ways. Uh, and, and once again, God has a good sense of humour. He often marries people who are different. And uh, I know for Ebony's, hers is quality time. Um, and it's just like, that's so important to her. For me, I couldn't really give a, Flip about time, like that's not my thing. I like words, I like touch. And I remember when we were dating, I'm a words guy. So, you know, she has poems coming out of her ears written by Daniel Frecker. They're so beautiful. I asked her to enter them into competitions, but she won't. I've sung her songs. I've, I've recorded myself singing her a song. And oh my goodness, I can't believe she still liked me after that. It was, sounded like a dying cat. Uh, I've written her many, many love letters. She has a shoebox filled with about, what do you reckon? A hundred, close to a hundred cards and letters. And you know what's really annoying? She's like, yeah, that's kind of nice, but it doesn't make her feel loved. She's like, I want you to spend time with me. And like, if I wanna grow my intimacy with Ebony, I need to spend time with her. Unfoc uh, sorry, focused and undivided attention. And the Holy Spirit is the same. See, I could do everything else right. I could go to work and provide for her financially. I could go to the gym and give her some good six pack abs in the body of her dry. Like, I could do everything else. But if I'm not giving her time, she's not gonna feel loved. Our intimacy won't grow. We won't be connected. And I believe that intimacy is always created in the context of time. You cannot expect a friendship with the Holy Spirit if you're not willing to give Him your time. 
And I wrote this down, there is no shortcut to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this one hurts because we live in a world where we're obsessed about what's efficient, what's quick. You know, we can't even on Netflix watch the intros, like skip the intro. Ah, I can't watch that for 10 seconds. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but the Holy Spirit, He needs our time. We need to slow down. Why do you think we have a world that's struggling so much with peace? Why well, I believe this is a huge part of it is maybe we've lost the art of the ability just to slow down. Give God our time to go into that door, as Jesus said, to shut the door. You know, lock it, let the kids fight and do whatever they want. Like, I'm locking the door. Whatever you need to do, like just to get in that place with, hey, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you have my focus and undivided attention. That is where true fellowship comes. And what can distract us, separate us from the Holy Spirit? Well, as I've shared a few times, one is obviously sin, but there's a second thing which I believe is huge and it's distraction. They're things that are good, they're not bad, but they just rob us of our time. These are dangerous things. They're dangerous because if the devil can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. And they both accomplish the same goal. They cut our separation to God. Isn't that confronting for us? And I, I wanna encourage us here today, we'll all have a next step, but what's this one thing that you go, oh, that's just becoming a bit distracting in my life. That's pulling me away from time with the Holy Spirit. Now, does this mean we become monks and go live in the mountains and you know go full John the Baptist and eat grasshoppers? No, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about, are we able to spend time with the Holy Spirit every morning? Are we able to, before we go to bed, just have that 15 minutes of worship music, just waiting in His presence. This is the key to our life and it will change everything for you and for me. Uh, a, a famous um, <clears throat> man who was a, a great mentor to many pastors in America, he was asked, What's, what do you think is the number one spiritual challenge right now? And he, he said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So maybe here today, we've all got stuck a little bit in the ways of the world, which is hurried. It's fast paced, it's distracted. But here I wanna ask us, what do you and I need to start doing? Maybe for some of us out of today, we need to get back to that place of spending time with God every single morning, seven days a week, whether that's five minutes, 15 minutes, an hour or two. Maybe for some of us, we need to start spending time throughout the day, maybe in our lunch break, just to go away for five minutes and to pray or before we go to bed, just to go turn worship music on and just spend time in His presence. What do we need to stop doing? What are those things we just need to go, all right, I need to pull the reins in a bit there in that area of my life. And how are we going giving time to the Holy Spirit? And in my life, I wanna be honest with you, I'm not perfect at this, but I have made a determination in my heart. If anything gets between me and God, I'm just gonna eliminate it. Whether it's good, bad or ugly, there's nothing that is worth coming between me and God. Number two, everyone say, wait. So we're gonna give Him our time. <clears throat> what are we gonna do in this time? Let's read this quickly in Acts 1, verse four to five. And this is the day of Pentecost. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Another translation says to wait in Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from me, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised in the Holy Spirit. What was the key to Pentecost? It was waiting in Jerusalem. 
And I always think about this. There was 120 who ended up being in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But here's, a, here's an interesting thought. I believe there was probably more than 120 when Jesus left. And they were told to wait, but some of them just couldn't wait. Imagine being the, someone who was there at the start, but then got distracted by life and walked out of that upper room. Imagine being someone who went back to their hometown. Imagine being the 121st person who the day before Pentecost decided to leave because he was impatient and couldn't obey God saying to wait. It was an active waiting. But when we, we study the Holy Spirit, as I'm sharing, there, there's way, different ways we can access Him, but there is a huge theme of waiting on the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's by accident that God, when the Spirit of God came on Pentecost, it was in an atmosphere of waiting. And I believe that that upper room experience can be our daily reality in our quiet place, in our prayer time. And so what that looks like for me is a huge part of my prayer life. I'm, I'm learning more and more, how can I just shut, I'm trying to be nice, shush my mouth. <laughs> the harder part for me is how do I slow my mind, lift out my hands and just wait on the Holy Spirit. When you go to do this tomorrow, I can promise you one thing. It's gonna be hard. <laughs> when you go to do it three days, it's gonna be hard, but this is worth learning and growing into your prayer life because as we, as we wait and we wait and we wait, it, we just, there's a moment every time for me, it just shifts and I can just feel His presence. And it's almost like what I'm picturing when I'm waiting on Him. It's like I just picture Him pouring oil over and it's like He's filling me from the inside. It's slow, sometimes frustratingly slow, but I leave moments of waiting on the Holy Spirit where I went in with my fuel light buzzing, you're empty and I come out, I'm like, oh, I'm back in, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And as I do this every morning, it sets me up for my day. And just lastly, as we uh, finish, I wanted to quickly touch on the power of tongues. Everyone say tongues. So we're talking about how do we get filled? Time with the Holy Spirit. In our time, waiting on Him, letting Him fill us. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And number three, I'm just going to touch on as we finish, is tongues. Let's, um, I, I want to really recommend to everybody, last Sunday night on our Sunshine Coast location, Pastor John did a, a, a big message on, on speaking in tongues. And maybe you're here and you're like, I just, it's just weird. I don't understand it. i got questions. What does it even do? Can I strongly encourage everyone, go and listen to that podcast. It was amazing. But just quickly, here, Acts 2 verse 4 says this, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So as they were being filled with the Holy Spirit, the natural response was they began to pray in tongues. And Jude says this in uh, Jude uh, verse 20, but you beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I love this. When we're praying in the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we're building up our inner man. It's like our spirit is coming alive. And you know, it starts once again, sometimes I'm praying in tongues in the morning, and my head is just going, oh, what have I got planned for dinner? Oh, I've got to have this hard conversation today. Oh, I hope Ebony's not angry at me. Just, you know, my head, my head. But what I find is I begin to focus my attention on the Holy Spirit. I begin to see Him. I begin to feel His presence. And once again, I found it a great tool. Some days for me waiting is the way I just encounter Him. 
other days when I just can't get through my mind and I'm just, my brain's everywhere, praying in the Holy Spirit, I find it just fills my tank. It's, and as the Bible says, I'm building up myself in my most holy faith. My spirit man is coming alive. We can never underestimate the power of speaking in tongues. Every single man or woman of God I meet who is making a huge difference for God. I, I can't think of nearly one who doesn't spend a lot of time praying in the Holy Spirit. Paul actually writes, he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And he was writing to a Christian church filled with pastors and leaders. Tongues is such a powerful gift. And as we do it, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd love to invite the band up if that's okay. And in conclusion here, we're about to encounter him, but I just wanna encourage us here today. There is, this is the most powerful thing in our life, we can give our time, our energy and our focus to. Building a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I wanna encourage us here today, let's be people who prioritise this, who say, I wanna be a man of God or a woman of God who is in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, who is in friendship. That's not just a tick the box kind of thing. It's not just, um, I do it in the morning, that's it. But that we actually live in continual friendship with Him. And as we go after this together, I can't encourage us enough that this will be a game changer. For me, this has changed everything. As I said, my peace levels, my joy levels, my hope levels, everything in my life comes back to this. So for some of us, what's that number one thing distracting you and I from time in His presence. Do we need to start doing or maybe stop doing some things out of today just to come back to that place of daily spending time with Him? For others, do we need to incorporate into our prayer life that ability just to wait on Him, where we just switch off our mind in the silence and just wait on the precious Holy Spirit? letting Him fill us again, just like that Samaritan woman encountered where, where the life that comes from Jesus fills us every day, where we will never thirst again. Or lastly, maybe some of us, maybe you, you've never been baptised in the Spirit or praying in tongues isn't something you do every day. Maybe today that's your takeaway, that I need to discover that gift in my life and really uh, build it into my prayer life because man, it's powerful. It's powerful. 